Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 32 of the Chasing Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and as always, I thank you for being here listening right now, wherever you are. The journey that is starting a podcast began for me last December and has been an amazing, fulfilling experience in so many ways. I've had the pleasure of chatting with fascinating, brave, and inspiring women, speaking about topics that are often not discussed in the way that I believe they should be and are in these real conversations. I just want to take a moment here to express how much I have genuinely enjoyed this entire experience and how grateful I am to both my listeners and podcast guests. I also have to say how disappointed I've been in my ability to release episodes every week. This is not to say I feel guilty as what I'm doing right now in South Dakota this summer is so very important and I simply have not had the time I anticipated. Disappointed, however, is a fair and accurate word. As someone who is a pragmatist and an optimist, I like to simply think that once I return home in the fall, I will have renewed energy and the podcast will be better than it already has been. All right, that's all the housekeeping for today. Time to introduce today's guest. In this episode, I'm speaking with Alice Wright. Alice is a freshly signed professional distance runner for Hoka Ane Ane and was an absolute pleasure to get to know better. Alice moved from her home across the pond to the United States as a freshman in college. Her move would have been a big transition no matter where she settled, but Alice decided to go to the University of New Mexico. So talk about a climate and scenery shock. Alice and I chat about how her freshman year didn't go smoothly on the running front. She likes to say that she was social networking and how she returned home for the summer with a dedication to coming back in the fall ready to secure her spot on the team and make her coach proud. Alice did just that, graduating as an eight-time NCAA All-American, including two runner-up finishes in the 10K. Alice and I talk about her decision to become a professional runner, what it's like to live with Steph and Ben Bruce, and how excited she is for her career going forward, as well as so much more. I need to just take a moment to let you all know that Alice and I recorded this episode while I was in South Dakota, and I recorded from the entryway to the organization that I work at. So you're going to hear some cars and some stuff driving by, but um, and also little people, but that was what I had to work with. Alice is kind, sweet, determined, brave, and fierce, and it was such a pleasure to have her as a guest on the show. Before we get to the episode, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes, in your app or on your computer. I really appreciate the feedback, both the good and the bad, and it goes a long way in helping to grow the show and this community. All right, everyone, now my conversation with Alice Wright. Hi, Alice. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. Good. Um, So everybody listening, we are speaking with Alice Wright, and I'm going to go ahead and just have you introduce yourself to the audience, who it is, what you do, um, and any important information you think is relevant. (laughs) Okay. Um, So hi, everyone. I'm Alice Wright, and I've just graduated from the University of New Mexico, and I'm just starting my first year as a professional runner for um, Hoka with NAZ Elite here in Flagstaff. Um, As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not um, from the US originally. I'm originally from England, um, but I've been living here for five years. So um, I would would say that America's um, 
you know, kind of home to me now a little bit. So yeah. Anyway, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very curious um, as to how it is that you ended up not only in the U.S., but also um, in New Mexico. Yeah, I know. It does seem a little random just because, you know, Albuquerque is just so far away from England. It's almost as far away as you can get. Um, But um, so it actually was very random, to be honest. Um, I actually had an injury when I was, um, I think it was was 16 years old. I had an injury and I'm from um, like a very... uh, you know, we have one kind of little doctors that everyone goes to see in the village and it's just the deep countryside. And if you're kind of an athlete trying to get medical support that I, I you know, I, I kind of needed at that time. Um, and so I spoke to the coaches um, at UNM and honestly, in the back of my mind, I thought there's no way that I'm going to go to New Mexico. I've got no interest in going to the desert. I don't really know much about this place. Um I was just pretty set on going to university in England. And then it was really when they mentioned, um, you know, the medical support and how you can get MRIs in a couple of days that I kind of thought, well, you know what, I may as well just go, give this a go. And if I hate it, I can come home. And if I like it and made a good decision, um, then great, you know, it's all worked out. And I kind of spoke to my older sister and she will take, you know, risks and, um, yeah, just give things a go and not kind of hold back. And honestly, it's the best decision that I've ever made. And I'll be forever grateful that, um, you know, the coaches did reach out to me. And um, yeah, I'm just so, you know, happy that I, I chose New Mexico and it all worked out well for me, I think. Yeah. And that's incredible because, I mean, that's just such a big transition, especially, mm. I mean, at that age, college and the transition into college, it's so difficult, uh, regardless of, I think, where you're going, even if it's just an hour down the road. Um, So what was it like as a freshman? (laughs) Honestly, I was really just thrown into it. I landed, um, that's quite a funny story now, I think back to it. I landed in New Mexico uh, by myself with my 20 kilograms of luggage, um, no idea what I was in for, where I was really going. And I honestly, I landed in like a dress and wedges and a little like purse, which is quite common in England, but definitely not the style in New Mexico. You know, it's very like laid back there. Everyone's kind of in sweatpants and like, you know, it's quite like a cool vibe. Um, <laughs> so I just looked totally ridiculous, honestly. Um, And then, yeah, I just got a taxi to this hotel and the next day I met with the coaches and I just, I remember landing into New Mexico and like looking over, you know, all of the, um, like the canyons and everything and just thinking like, wow, I really am like, you know, in the desert here. Um, and so, and also it's just other things as well, you know, um, like I had no idea what a GPA was because that's not the system (laughs) in the UK and it's kind of like simple things like that where I probably just seemed so ridiculous to any other American that I had no idea what some of these things were that I really just had to trust everyone that was around me and it kind of all turned out okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm very curious um, how it was that New Mexico, the school, reached out to you. Oh, okay. Well, um, it was really just Joe sent me an email, um, Joe Frank and the head coach there, um, with, you know, a load of stats about who would come to train there and everything. And he was like, let's Skype. And um, I was like, you know what, um, I'll I'll give it a benefit of the doubt and um, I'll go for this. And we Skyped and 
yeah, it was just pretty persuasive and um, kind of sold me, especially when he mentioned the MRI. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go for this. So um, right. there's no real, you know, interesting story, backstory to it. I think it's a pretty generic kind of recruit story. But um, mm. yeah, that that's just kind of how it went, to be honest. OK, so I'm guessing because you said, you know, generic recruit story. I've heard a little bit mm. about um, athletes being recruited from other countries and things like that. So I'm guessing that you know, where you're from, it's not uncommon for U.S. schools to sort of be scoping out, you know, potential athletes that they can bring over kind of thing. Yeah, well, I was definitely a little shocked actually at the time just because I hadn't actually produced any, like, worthy performances for the last, I would say, three years, honestly. I was honestly just clinging on to this one kind of 3K. It was like a very mediocre 3K in the grand scheme of things. So I was a little shocked, really, to be getting attention from American schools. Um, and I think that kind of comes with a little bit of, um, you know, I was a little a bit skeptic, really, as to what was this all about? Like, why would they be contacting me? Surely there's like a bunch of other kids with faster times that are being contacted. You know, is this all kind of fake? And I, I think that that does cross a lot of young athletes' mind in other countries because it almost seems too good to be true, honestly. You know, them mm -hmm. offering these scholarships to come to this school and almost like live the American dream. I know it sounds cheesy, but it, it does seem a little bit too good to be true. And I do think that people can be a little skeptical. Um, but any, my advice to any kind of young, um, like, you know, incoming freshman from a different country that's tempted by those emails is to definitely trust them and at least give them the benefit of the doubt mm. and do the Skype call and see what they've got to say for sure. I love that you threw that in there because I, you know, it could just be one listener, right, who is in mm, the position. Exactly. But I mean, just hearing it from someone who's had such a successful career is so validating. Yeah, and I'm sure that, yeah. you know, it'll be, they'll be like, oh, you know, this is just what I needed to hear. <laughs> Oh, I hope so. I do hope so. I hope I can, uh, yeah, give some advice at least to someone in the same position as me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so. Yeah, because it's a big thing, you know. I mean, I think um, it, it you, you know, you hear about people kind of in hindsight, like you hear about Tina mm. Muir and you hear about other athletes. Um, but when you really think about just how big of an undertaking it is to decide, okay, yeah. I'm going to move from, you know, my, I'm going to move to another country. And not only that, but like, I'm going to go to a school in the farthest away point in this other country that yeah. I could go. Exactly. My, I mean, my greatest advice for anyone in that position is to honestly do your research with not just, you know, what the coach is offering you on, um, you know, financially or anything. You've also got to look so carefully at the weather at the place that you're going. You know, it could have been a completely different story for me if I'd ended up somewhere where you can't run for half the year because it's so snowy. Mm -hmm. But at the time when I was looking, I knew so little really about the United States that I you know, it could have been a school in New York and they would have sold me on the on the city of New York and little did I know how cold it can get there. And it was just so many things that you do kind of need to look into. Um, yeah, as I say, just weather and also the degree programs that the school is offering, what type of school it is academically, all of those things that, you know, I'm sure everyone does look into. But I do think it's just important to kind of, um, you know, emphasize that, that is that is something you should definitely look into when looking at schools, for sure. Yes. So it sounds like you got lucky in that regard. I did. I, I honestly, I knew very, very little about New Mexico. Most people were like, 
oh yeah, I think that's where that show uh, Breaking Bad's filmed. <laughs> and that's pretty much all I got from people. Oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and in the end, a lot of people thought honestly that I was going to Mexico and I just used to joke around and say it's a new part of Mexico, <laughs> which is a joke I kind of still keep going now just for laughs. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, so what did you end up majoring in in college? So I did liberal arts as my undergrad and then my um, MBA for my master's. Yeah. Um, so business administration. Um, but it wasn't originally what I really wanted to do. I wanted to do um, dietetics. But, um, you know, I don't want to say that I chose to kind of pursue my athletics over my academics um, because I'm I'm happy with both the degrees that I got. And I feel like they were definitely like worthwhile academically. But I think um, I definitely kind of, um, you know, when, when everyone was like, oh, you need to take organic chemistry at one point, um, I kind of kept putting that off, thinking, oh, not this season. I want to really focus on, you know, cross country or track. And um, I kind of put it on the back burner a little bit. And then it kind of came down to, well, do you want to do liberal arts and just kind of choose which courses you do? And it just seemed like a better option at the time. Um but hopefully, you know, my MBA and um, having two degrees will, I'll be okay. Anyway, fingers crossed, hey, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really safe bet regardless. Um, I hope so. Yeah, and also I get that. I mean, I was a college athlete also. I was a runner. Yeah. I remember doing that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You kind of have to pick and choose, don't you? You do, unless you're like superhuman. And I don't know very many people. <laughs> Who are you know what, though? I have met some inspiring runners who, yeah. like Anna Roe, I was running with her a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, she's studying some crazy program. I think it's pre-med, and I was just like, wow, you go, girl. That's so impressive. Oh, wow. Like, What's her name again? Um, Anna Roe. She's a really, you know, talented um, runner in the NCA, and there's, there's quite a few out there, I know, that have got these, yeah. you know, engineering degrees, and I'm just like wow, like credit to you. That's impressive. Yes, for sure. No, I agree. I agree. But it's, yeah, I mean, and I also think too, it's just a knowing your, knowing your limits kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about your running story, because I'm guessing that you're, you know, mediocre in the scheme of things. 3K was actually pretty good. Um, but I'm just really curious about, you know, how you got started running and then what that looked like transitioning into college. And was it, you know, a smooth transition from the start? Mm. Tell me all about it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess, um, you know, I first started really running at just the school sports days and I come from a very competitive family. They're not all runners. Um, but my sisters rode and my, my elder sister rode to quite a high level in um, England. And, um, you know, I always just saw them as my role models and wanted to be as cool as them. And um, my body type is not made for rowing, clearly. So that wasn't really an option for me. Um, but I did do a lot of field hockey and it kind of got to the point where I had to really decide between my running and my field hockey. And, you know, I'd done the odd fun run at my village. And um, I feel like all young runners kind of do that. And um, I I chose running in the end, just because I like do love running the like active running and hockey was getting a little aggressive. And I just wasn't quite at the developed phase of everyone else. I seemed to be much smaller and just far more suited to running. Um, and so, yeah, I just joined my local club, uh, Worcester Athletic Club and 
it kind of went from there, to be honest. Um, I just looked forward to every single Tuesday, Thursday when we had training. And my mum, I mean, she was great. She used to drive me. It took us 45 minutes. And she used to drive me to training and then read a book in the car for an hour. And then we drive 45 minutes back home. And it was, you know, it was taking three hours out of her evening after um, work. And Aww. yeah, credit to them for really, you know, doing that for me. Um Anyway, then, as I said, I got injured um, for a couple of, yeah, maybe for two or three years, actually, um, which was really awful. And I just, I think that gave me a lot of mental strength as a runner, just cross training. And it's times like that when you really realize, like, how much you love running. And it just, you know, really reignites that, like, fire. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it just makes you realize how much you miss the sport and how desperate you are to get back racing. Anyway, then I ended up in New Mexico, um, and to be quite honest with you, my first year was a complete disaster. Um, I couldn't keep up on any of the runs. Um, I remember asking one girl to tell me every tenth of a mile on her Garmin, because I was so desperate on one of the tempos, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't keep up. (laughs) And, you know, all my teammates were so sweet to me, but... um, I think people were just like, oh, my goodness, who is this girl? Like, what have they recruited here? Um, (laughs) Anyway, I actually ended up with a stress fracture that year, which I don't want to say that I deserved, but I mean, I just, that that stress fracture, like, needed to happen, honestly. Um, I was just too immature with my running, and I was physically too immature, and I I needed to take a year to kind of grow up, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, and just get used to like my new my new body, I would say, um, mm-hmm. mentally and physically. And then I went home over the summer and I thought to myself, like, wow, Alice, you you love this place, but you could honestly lose your scholarship if you don't start to, you know, buck up your act a bit. Um, and so I, I really took just two weeks in. Um, we'd gone on summer holiday, actually. And I, I just said to myself, right, you're going to get your act together now and you're going to get fit and you're going to come back to New Mexico, a changed woman. And everyone's going to be shocked that you've, you know, turned it round. <laughs> and I wouldn't quite call it that type of transformation. But um, I do remember Joe, the coach, saying to me, like, wow, Alice, like, I'm impressed. What have you been doing over the summer? And um you know, I then we went to the cross country races and that year was just awesome for me because each race I was just getting better and improving and um I actually managed to get all American in the cross country season, which was really unexpected and um yeah, it just went on from there to be honest. And I'm just so mm-hmm. grateful, honestly, for all the support that UNM gave me and keeping me on that scholarship when I had such a disaster of a first year. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much of a disaster are we talking? <laughs> oh no a complete disaster honestly oh. I was a disaster <laughs> I you know I couldn't keep up so we were running our tempos at 6:45, which is you know that's definitely a um, a decent pace and everything but compared to kind of what um, I expect from myself now um, I you know I couldn't keep up in these tempos at a 6:45 pace I I was just no I I was a mess of a runner <laughs> I I felt horrible running and um yeah, I don't know whether it was, you know, how I was treating my body. I didn't think I was quite eating properly. Um, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was living that college life in my first year, but um, I kind of now I do kind of call it my social networking year. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the next four years were definitely more focused, I would say, after that with the running. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was just, I like that. That's such a, I, 
my social networking year. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get connected and established, right? Exactly. You have to get your support system <laughs> totally. um, around you. <laughs> totally. You were just going through like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You were just getting yourself exactly. in like a comfortable place, just waiting to, you know, burst onto the scene. <laughs> yeah, let's pretend it was all planned. <laughs> yeah, it was all planned. I think that's great. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, well, so you have had a really incredible season and oh, thank um, you yeah and I know you were on the team the year that they won in when you guys won in CAAs um as yeah. a team which was so cool um and so how has how how was that like in terms of just the other girls on the team because I feel like your team mm. was pretty diverse in terms of girls coming in from other places um yeah but you guys seemed like you meshed really nicely yeah, we really did. Um, I think that that year, the team, I mean, I think every year the team's been very mature, but I think especially that year, we were kind of forced to bond very quickly. We had uh, Flow Track actually came, you know, I think it was two weeks into the season when we'd really just met each other to do some filming. And I think through that filming, we all bonded a lot, um, even though we didn't really know each other that well. Um, mm -hmm. That kind of forced us to all get to know each other really well. Um and just support each other through that filming process. And I think that really set the tone for the rest of the season. And, you know, we had little jokes. We had this, like, avocado song, which at the time I thought was totally ridiculous. But now I kind of look back and laugh at it just because, you know, it's just those, like, little memories that you remember. And I don't think any of us were expecting to run that well at the championships um, and get such a low score. And I think just doing that, we were all kind of shocked at the end um, just to – not only to really win, but just to get such a low score. And, um, you know, when I first came to university, the thought of winning a team cross country was totally, um, it just seemed so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I think really just the fact that we managed to achieve that twice, I don't mean to sound boastful here at all, but I, I really want to boast on the coach's behalf because I think it is just such a testament to their, their coaching and how well they've managed to bring on the team from when I first joined in 2013 all the way to now with two national championships and, you know, multiple NCAA winners, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw that Courtney Freerich, uh, you know, I was just about to say something, got the American record today in the steeplechase, which is beyond inspiring. Uh, um, I know. <laughs> and honestly, just thinking back, you know, I, I was saying this to Steph earlier, I was saying, you know, we used to do tempo runs together, we used to do workouts mm. together, we used to do our long runs together. And you know, I I know I'm nowhere near that standard right now, but it, it does definitely give me hope that like, you know, the, the potential to kind of get there, having seen how Courtney progressed as an athlete, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely uh, a possibility, I, I, I hope to say. <laughs> of course. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so funny that you just said something because I literally was thinking to myself, okay, so how do I inject this? <laughs> because I just, I just saw this. I mean, I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere. I'm on a reservation in South Dakota. Um, but I like just saw that that had happened. What was her time? I think it was nine. I want to say it's nine flat, uh, like nine point zero zero. And then oh, maybe like an eight shoot. one. So, um, I know shoot, but still, I mean, an American record is an oh, American record. Absolutely. Yeah. She looks so strong and yeah, Steph and Ben and I were watching it actually. And just in absolute disbelief at the end about how incredibly well she, she ran that race. And 
it's Courtney is such a structured runner as in, you know, she's very uh, methodical about how she was at least at UNM, but how she went about her training and she kind of instilled confidence with everyone else as she would kind of say to us, you know, if you've done this and that and this, uh, you know, there's no reason why it shouldn't work out. And I think having that mindset kind of gives you confidence. And I've learned a lot from her and especially seeing her success. I remember all the, you know, little tips that she would you know, tell us at UNM and just the conversations we had. And I just can't tell you how inspiring it is to see her doing so well now. Oh, well, that is so sweet and such a like lovely testament to your, your teammate. And um, I kind of, I think one of the most beautiful parts of this sport, right? With especially, yeah. you know, as a, as, as someone who ran on a team myself and I had the experience of having our team qualify for NCAAs and um, yeah. I feel like it's, just this amazing bond that you'll have with the person really yeah it, it, honestly forever not necessarily yeah because you stay in touch even but because like I remember I, I just remember how strong I felt when I was with my teammates and just yeah. how powerful I felt and I feel like that's something that I will continue to carry with me, you know, for the rest of my yeah, running for journey. Sure. Mm-hmm. I've honestly made some of my closest friends um, in this sport and it's funny because your teammates, you know, technically you are competing against them and running, it is an individual sport and there's no kind of denying that. And that's why I find it interesting that we can make such great friendships. You know, one of my best friends, Sammy Silver, you know, she's just such a great friend to me. And um, I, I'm just so thankful to the sport for, you know, bringing that friendship. Um, and Rona Rawclime, you know, I could list everyone on the team, but it it really is amazing, the friendships that you can build through this sport for sure. Yeah, they're like none other. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> well, so now you are living in Flagstaff, is that right? I am. Yes, mm-hmm, I am mm-hmm. indeed. What was that like? And how did the process go for you deciding what you were going to do post-collegially? So I knew I wanted to keep the running dream alive as long as I possibly could. And um, I, you know, I'm really, I'm just so thankful to my wonderful coach, old coach now, Joe Franklin, um, for really just helping me network, um, with, you know, teams and, um, yeah, teams in the U S really. Um, I knew that I, I wanted to stay in the U S I just felt like, um, that's where I could get the best out of myself as a runner. And, I was definitely reluctant to leave altitude. Um, so that kind of narrowed it down a little bit um, in terms of which teams um, I was going to look at, but um, or, or rather which teams would be interested in me, I should say. <laughs> but uh, Ben kind of came, he came down to um, Albuquerque to watch one of the sessions in cross country. And um, I got to know them a, a little better there. And then I came out for a visit actually in, uh, I think it was early April. Um and yeah, I just, you know, I love the girls. I love the group. Um, I met some, I just really enjoyed the, the team atmosphere. I felt like everyone was really mature and just, um, you know, focused on their running. And that was what I was looking for. Um, I liked uh, Ben's training philosophies. And yeah, I was just, um, I was very like keen on the group. Um, anyway, then, yeah, here I am now um, in Flagstaff. And I can't really believe it's all kind of happened, to be honest. It was a very rushed move for me, actually, um, from Albuquerque to Flagstaff. I just honestly had time to pack up my car and get over here um, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, but no, I'm, I'm loving it so far, for sure. So what does your living situation look like? 
So right now, um, I'm actually just saying Steph and Ben have been so kind to let me stay in their downstairs section of their house. Um, I know, so kind of them, honestly. Um, for until I kind of get set up, which I'm trying to figure out now. Um, it's just all those little things that you have to do when you move, you know, like your car insurance and health mm-hmm. insurance, just pretty much adulting, let's put it that way. Yeah, and all that um, stuff is so hard. It is. Oh, my goodness. And, like, the whole tax world as well. Like, Ugh. yes, you know, we did that at UNM, but we had so much help with it. And now it's just, like you know, a whole different world of like things that you kind of have to do. Um, it's overwhelming, but you know, I understand everyone has to do it. So, um, you know, yeah. kind of get over Alice. <laughs> well, but you know what, you have a different set of barriers, right? Because like when I have trouble with that stuff, I call my parents and mm. I'm, you know, I'm sure it's different for you. That's because... why I'm very lucky to have a great agent, Howie, and I'm okay. really grateful for them so far. They've helped me out so much. So, you know, maybe I can just use them as my um, kind of American support system when it comes to being an adult and all of those things. <laughs> Your surrogate parents. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Steph and Ben have been so great. I'm sure they're fed up of my questions, but they've oh. been so sweet with just helping me out so much. I, I really can't thank them enough, honestly. <laughs> What's it like to have two little ones in the house with you? <laughs> oh, I love Riley and Hudson. They are the <laughs> cutest boys. I oh, They just come out with the most amazing one-liners. <laughs> they have the most amazing amount of energy and I just have no idea how Steph you know she really is a super mom with looking after Riley and Hudson crushing it in the running world and just you know when I go up and chat to Steph upstairs you know she's constantly doing something she's constantly you know communicating with someone about the next kind of project she's working on and just I don't know I don't know how she does it honestly <laughs> I don't know how they both do it <laughs> I know I've wondered the same thing yeah, but, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just, you know, it just I I think I heard one time um her quote something along the lines of like some days we really are more surviving as opposed to thriving <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess, you know, when you have that much going on, it probably does feel that way, but they're really just, yeah. you know, kicking kicking ass everywhere. <laughs> they really are killing it as a family. Yeah, it's it's impressive and inspiring. I will put it that way. Right. And that's really cool though because I feel like um Steph is a role model for mm. so many women throughout the sport just because of what she's done post pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and so how cool is it that you get to spend some time in her world, you know? I know, seriously. And I have never, ever seen Steph get annoyed about anything. And I mean that if, if I was Steph, I'm sure I would be getting annoyed about little things like just anything. I have never, she has always put a smile on her face and it's just so like welcoming. Um, I can't thank them enough for just like opening their arms and letting me into their, their household for a couple of weeks. Um, and just, yeah, seeing how positive Steph is on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's amazing. She's, she's never loses it at all. So (laughs) it's impressive. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so, um, what has it been like for you being so far away from family? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough. I, my sisters are, you know, my best friends and I, I love them to death. And of course, my, my parents as well. And naturally, I, I miss them all a lot. Um, but I think, you know, I've been here for so long now that I've kind of, we've all kind of worked out how to uh, get around that, you know, uh, FaceTime and Skype, the wonderful things. And that's helped a lot. Um and I also say to people, you know, it is, it's sad that I'm not with them all the time, but honestly, if I did live in England, 
I don't know whether I would actually see them any more than I really do now. Um, I'm sure there'd be weekends where we'd see each other more, but I feel like when I go home, we all make such an effort to get together for the two weeks maybe that I'm at home, and we all make sure that we come together as a family that... You know, whether that would happen if I did live in England, I don't know. Um, And so I guess just trying to look at the positives, really, um, and look forward to the times that I do get to see them. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. I live um, in Illinois now, and I moved from New Hampshire to Illinois. And I have thought about that because I don't love being away from my family, but I've just been thinking to myself, you know what? I don't know if I would see them anymore, even if I lived in New Hampshire, you know? And that's something else I also think about is that England's so small and in America, actually, it's almost the same for anyone else. Um, you know, they're in the same situation as me. It's such a huge country that, as you say, if you if you move from New York to California, you're technically just as far away as I right. am from my family in England. And, and, you know, I don't deserve any more sympathy than anyone else who's moving away from home in America, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you thought, though, about what you think, I mean, this is a big loaded question, but Mm, have you thought about just like, you know, the future and where you can see yourself long term kind of thing? Yeah, I think um, kind of uh, that question, I I go really day to day. um, And but I mean, you're right, I definitely think long term. And there are days when I think, oh, you know, I'll probably I think in the back of my mind, I see myself in England. But actually, when I when I really think about it, and the more I kind of have been in America, it's like, I can't see myself leaving here. It's like a, this will always be a little bit home to me as well as England. Um, and they, they are very different places. And I've always kind of thought I don't want to be away from my sisters and my parents um, forever. Um, we always kind of joke about how um, my sisters, Amy and Grace, we always joke about how we're going to live in a big um, house together when we're older. Aww. Although I'm sure Grace's husband wouldn't be too happy about that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I um I don't I haven't really thought about it to be honest, but mm-hmm. um the main the main issue for me really is visas and right. there's only so long I can really stay out here visa-wise um unless I find my man out here which hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'll probably be deported back to be honest, <laughs> which is sad. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, there's still time yet, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've just moved to a new place, so who knows? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> so is it safe to say that you're open to meeting your man in America? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm single. I just, of course, I'm open to meeting a guy, but uh, it's got to be a guy that understands the uh, the whole running world, I think, because it is yep. a kind of different world, I'm sure you know. Um, there are different kind of demands, and it's just... Um, yeah, I feel like they probably have to put up with uh, some of like my, you know, just training dramas and all of that from <laughs> running and uh, being grouchy in the morning and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's not your typical job. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I hear that. And I'm not even a professional runner. And it's still one of my uh, like must haves in a man. I My boyfriend's yeah. my, my coach right now. And it's, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's interesting, but I totally hear that because I'm like, if you didn't know how to put up with this, we definitely yeah, exactly. would not be together. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I wouldn't close it off to saying they have to be a runner as such, but it's just someone that can be understanding, I think, to mm-hmm. the demands of running. <laughs> right. Have some patience and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think a lot of patience is probably going to be required, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel that way too. I mean, I just feel like, 
I, I feel like it's less necessarily about the running, but just who I feel like I'm a little bit of a, I don't know, like a high maintenance person in a strange mm. way. Like not yeah. about big, not about like little tiny things, but I definitely have a very like specific way that I like to live my life. And I oh, feel like yeah, a lot of runners are that way, you know? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think all runners have a like a small amount of OCD. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like a bold statement for me to say, but I think type A personality, um, yeah, it's probably what most runners have, I would say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so do you see running being what your career is long term? Honestly, I would love nothing more than for that to be the case. Um from, you know, as far back as I can remember, I've always said that I've wanted to, uh, it's, it kind of, it sounds ridiculous and unrealistic, but it's, it was always a goal of mine and still is honestly to go to the Olympics and get an Olympic gold. And I remember my sisters will tell you as well from such a young age, that that's all I would repeat. I was like, I just want to go to the Olympics and get an Olympic gold. Aww. And, um, it's just one of those things that I feel like, my whole life has really, I don't want to say it's been defined by running um, because I'm so grateful that it has been and I, I do love running. But, um, you know, I, I have invested so much into this sport and I, I really just like can't imagine my life without it. And I'm certainly not going to give up on the running dream yet. Um, there are definitely things that I want to try and uh, achieve in this in this whole running life. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, definitely not ready to hang up the spikes anytime soon. I just love to keep it going as long as I can, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your just, um, I guess running like your like final season. Um, mm. and just the way that I, I feel like you, um, definitely had a, kind of up and down last year, right? I mean, you had an injury yeah. and then you came mm-hmm. back um, and you, you qualified for NCAAs um, in indoor, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, there's a bit of a funny backstory to that one, honestly. Um, Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, I qualified actually in December. I, I used my cross-country fitness, went to a race in December mm-hmm. at Boston, um we all ran pretty fast I would say at that and I think maybe six of us qualified um and uh then January February came around and I had tendonitis and you know each week the past I think I was just a great stress ball those like those two months I was stressed I was thinking gosh there's no way that I'm going to be able to do it but then in the back of my mind there was always this hope that somehow I could just pull something out of the bag and it would be fine um Mm -hmm. And it just so happened, it was about 10 days before the race that my tendon just decided to start cooperating. And um, I, yeah, I just kind of said to Joe, I I was like, what do you think? And he was like, why don't you just go for it? Honestly, Alice, you've really got nothing to lose. People were running some crazy first times that that indoor season. And um, I was, I think I was ranked maybe 15th or 16th going in and, Perhaps if I hadn't have been ranked there, it might have been different. But because I was one of the last qualifiers, I just thought to myself, I don't really have anything to lose. Like, I if I come 16th, that's where I was ranked going in. And, you know, that I guess that makes sense. Um, and so I just went into that race. Um, let's just say I felt very fresh going in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, I wouldn't say it was a disaster. Like, yes, I got ninth, and no one wants to get ninth NCA. Uh, because the worst spot. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, but I was, I used that feeling because I was ninth 
last year, the year before that was. And um, honestly, if I compare those years, you know, I did so much training going into that ninth um, and so little training going into this ninth that ninth didn't really seem like the end of the world at the time. It kind of seemed like I was a little lucky to even get ninth. Um, <laughs> But then after that, I uh, I thought, wow, I've got, you know, two weeks now. I want to go to Stanford and um, run a 10K there because I just love the 10K. I'm fed up with this 5K business. I want to do <laughs> longer distances. Um, and I remember Joe and I kind of sitting down and he is like, you know, you haven't got long. Do you think this is a good idea? Um, he said he fully believed that I, I could get into good shape and run a great time. But, um, you know, I've spring break wasn't really going to be your typical spring break it was going to be more of a get your head down mm. and make up for all the weeks that you've lost type spring break mm-hmm. um which which I did do I definitely got in a good week of training then and then I I got another good week after that um and then yeah that was the start of my outdoor season I was fortunate to run well at the Stanford invite um and then uh yeah NCAs um it kind of all hit me I was like wow this really could be my last race um I did actually have indoor eligibility but I mean my ninth place is probably pretty much tells you that I wasn't a big fan of indoors (laughs) (laughs) so I didn't really want to have to use that for another year um but no I went into outdoors and you know of course I wanted to win NCAs there's no denying that I thought I've got second now two years in a row um you know what it's either second or first and I don't want to be second again um and (laughs) unfortunately I know (laughs) unfortunately I was fourth which I kind Uh, of joke about now saying well at least I wasn't second Um, I mean right it's a spot that you haven't had right (laughs) exactly well I was a little worried because everything was going in uh in doubles I'd got ninth twice I'd got second twice and Mm -hmm. I was thinking oh gosh I did get eighth that one year I really hope that that's not what's going to happen not that there's anything (laughs) wrong with eighth because actually it's a, a good position to get as much totally. better than ninth <laughs> totally <laughs> um but I you know having got stuck in the last couple of years I definitely was looking for the that kind of uh I don't want to well, I guess top position um yeah but I think going into the race I knew Carissa was in it and uh she was certainly going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, you know amazing talent um as well as pretty much all the other girls in the race um and I honestly, I remember getting to 5K, I was leading the race and I thought, uh, okay, I've made a big mistake here. Um, probably not going to get All-American. I'll probably be lucky to be, you know, anything but 24th here. Um, oh. I know I really, I did feel awful. I remember looking at Joe and say, like almost shaking my head thinking, mm, I've made a big mistake leading this. I feel horrible. Um, I don't know what's going to happen here, but yeah. um Fortunately, I just clung on and the pace slowed a little. And I, I guess maybe I just got, you know, a bit more um, oxygen back in my lungs and kind of recovered a little bit. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, fourth was the best I could do. But um, I'm not too disappointed just because I think on that given day, I don't know whether I could have really done any better than fourth that day. Um, yeah. And so it's just how it kind of how it uh, worked out. Um you know, maybe if I'd raced it a little differently, I'm sure lots of people could say that after races, but um, I did the best with what I had in those last kind of 10 laps. And I'm proud of myself for pushing on when I, I felt horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> would, would you say that that was one of your harder races? Um, yeah, I think um, it's funny because I was talking to some high schoolers actually on uh, Monday about this. 
And I think uh, in a race, you kind of always have that choice. You either, when, you feel, when you're feeling bad, you either back off the pace and listen to what your body's telling you physiologically, you know, slow down. Or you kind of go with what your head's telling you. It's like, come on, you can do this. Like, you've done all this training. If you're hurting, everyone else is hurting. Um, you know, just trying to instill that confidence and just telling you to just cling on for a couple more laps and see what happens. And mm-hmm. I think those are always the two choices that you have. And if you, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm sure there are times when I've chosen uh, to, to slow down and back off a little bit. Um, but I you know, the, the races that I'm most proud of are the ones where I have ch- chosen to, to go with my, my mental instinct and just really try and cling on. And I think that's where it always kind of pays off in the end. And it, that's a big le- like learning curve, I think. And something that I, I hope I never, ever back down in a race. And I always go with that mental instinct. Um, and it's something that I will tell myself when I reach that decision in a race for sure. Yeah, it's a big learning curve, though, I feel. It is. I feel like um, it took me a really long time, and I don't even know I, I don't even know if I've had a race, like, that I've really, you know, when I was really hurting, that I really, mm. like, chose, like, I, I definitely have finished races that have been very tough, and, yeah. you know, not, you know, kind of basically hung on, you know, like, I've, I, I feel like I've had those types of races, but I feel like making that decision yeah. to almost not panic, right? Because yeah. it's so scary. That's very true. To feel That's that very way. true. It is. Yeah. Because everything physiologically in your body is screaming for you to stop, stop. and slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's it's trying to work out ways for you to ignore those physiological messages and just override it, I would say. And as you say, just not panic. And I think that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um I think that it's also one of those things that, you know, the more that you are able to have that experience, the yeah. better your body will get at, um, I, I just, I love, um, talking about the stress response in the body because it's just kind of part of my degree. Um, yeah. and I'm kind of nerdy about it, but I just think that it's interesting that I, I, I think that particularly for athletes that are willing to put themselves in like an immense amount of discomfort. I feel like the more you do it, the more your brain and body are able to sync up and like regulate Mm. and understand that that pain is not a source of panic. It's just, you know, it's like a, okay, this hurts. This doesn't feel great, but I'm okay. And I can override this feeling of like, you know, all of my, like, cause your body is basically sending you signals, like signals to your brain that like, I might die, but you're yeah, not, exactly. like you're not going to, it's really just, you know, the pain of running, yeah. um, and learning how to, I guess, you know, regulate in those moments is I yeah. think, probably something that, like a skill that athletes are able to build upon, you know? And I, I think, um, you know, I've thought about this a lot and I, I, it, this sounds kind of crazy, honestly, but I've thought about it's funny that we as humans, we enjoy, you know, you'd rather take a warm bath over a cold bath, but (laughs) could you flip that in your mind? Like, could you start to enjoy a cold bath and, you know, see a a warm bath as unpleasant? It's just like, and it's kind of like that with pain. Like, could you see pain as like a positive thing rather than a negative thing? As in, it sounds very psychotic to say, oh, I enjoy the pain because you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's not, that's just truthful. But I, mm. I think like, it's just a way of 
trying to frame it into your mind to think the pain necessarily like isn't necessarily the enemy I would say um, yes yeah and I think the other thing I always think is like that quote you know pain is temporary and glory is forever and I think that's something that can help in a race as well when you are feeling that pain is like this isn't gonna last forever but the success at the end uh, is something that you know I'll hopefully look back on with fond memories forever Mm-hmm. Totally. I actually, um, I'm just going to say one more thing on the subject because I think it's really interesting. But um, so one of the things that is crazy about this concept of pain and the way that our yeah. body connects to our mind mm-hmm. is that if we're, you know, experiencing discomfort, if we're able to have a moment in our brain where we say like to ourselves even okay, I'm feeling this way. And we like very, like we very, um, logically name it and call it what it is and sort of analyze it in our brain. It literally cuts off activity from the amygdala, which is the body's fight or flight response. Yeah. And it just causes executive functioning, which gets rid of cortisol, adrenaline, all yeah. of those things that, like, you do not want happening in your body when you're already exerting yourself, you know, to a yeah. high level. And it – I think about it mostly when I think about little kids. Like, anytime a little kid falls down at, you know, camp, I will yeah. have them say – tell I'll have them tell me about it because, you know, most people try to move away from it where they'll say, mm. like, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. But I say, oh my goodness, that was so scary. Tell me all about it. Tell me what happened. You know, yeah. tell me tell me what it made you feel. And they'll start to tell me about it and they like stop crying and uh, that's they, a good mm, way of doing it. Their wow. breathing returns to normal, like everything regulates. And I just think that it's probably the same thing with running on some level if you're able I'm to I'm gonna like, give that a go. I'm yeah, gonna give that a go. <laughs> in the moment, literally just say to yourself, Yes, this feels like this. My lungs yeah. are burning. My legs feel like lead. But it's just this. And like just yeah. like, spell it out for yourself. I feel like it almost turns into um and I heard this before. There was another athlete who said that he's he learned to identify the feeling or the quote unquote pain of running. Yeah. He learned to not call it pain. He just called it running. And he was like, this is just what running hard feels like. It's not pain. It's not the same as pain. My body thinks it is. But Mm. I can choose the narrative. And I can just say, no, this is just running. And I'm okay. Um, Which I think is just so interesting. I don't know. It is a really interesting uh, concept and just like way to look at it honestly and I'm definitely going to give that tactic a go of yours in the next yeah. uh, hard interval so uh, thanks for that <laughs> yeah and if it's successful please let me know because maybe oh, I'm on something <laughs> <laughs> you can write that book <laughs> right exactly I figured out the, the solution <laughs> how to go for pain <laughs> <laughs> right exactly um well so you are definitely more of a distance runner I oh, think you would yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> safe to say. Are you thinking about, because I know that the group that you've joined mm. is definitely a um, road racing group and definitely marathoners. Yeah. Is that kind of what you guys are thinking about for the future? Um, you know, Ben isn't necessarily a marathon, as in he's not. He hasn't said to all of the newcomers, like, oh, yeah, we're all going to be targeting the marathon. Um, I think it's just actually the preferences of the group that he had um you know Kellen and Steph they they wanted to do the marathon and it's not something that this group is necessarily um 
you know, they've had great success over the marathon, but it's not, um, it's not something that we're all going to be, you know, expected to do if we mm. don't want to. Um, but I think for me, um, I've always wanted to, uh, you know, I think I'm going to be the most successful as a runner in the marathon. Um, and I think just from seeing kind of how I run my 10Ks and uh, my training and, um, you know, just looking at all the kind of signals, um, the marathon is the natural kind of progression for me. Um, I think they're going to be very cautious with me and make sure that I don't get into a marathon too soon. Um, but for me, it couldn't come sooner. I would love to to run a marathon, but um, I'm definitely... You know, I definitely want to break that 32 barrier in the 10 first. That's something that I would love to achieve. Um, whether I can do that during a marathon um, training, I, I don't know. Um, that's something I'd have to discuss with Ben. But um, no, I'm, I'm very excited at the prospect of running a marathon. Um, and yeah, let's just say I'm not going to be turning into a 15, 800 meter runner anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be the answer. But no. <laughs> you never know, right? Yeah. 400-meter <laughs> hurdler. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Good. <laughs> that was what my boyfriend was in college, and I always am just like, I don't know how – I don't even know. You know, like... <laughs> that is probably one of the most painful distances. I would say 400 hurdles because I think 400 and 800 are painful, but you add in these hurdles, and oh. it's like – Oh, gosh, yeah, I don't know, like, mad respect to him for doing that, honestly. <laughs> I know, I feel that way, too, totally. Um, so, what, shoot, I had another question. Oh, um, so where are the other girls living? Because you guys just had so many people join, which is so exciting. Yeah, it is. So, um, you know, we're all trying to kind of figure that out right now. Um, we're, Grayson and Erin haven't actually moved yet. Um, Grayson and I might be living together, um, which would be awesome, I think, just to have another teammate to live with and, um, you know, just going to practice together and kind of, you know, it's just, you know what it's like. It's just um, very, like, yeah. nice to live with a teammate and especially going to a new place. So um, that might work out. And then um, I think Erin is um, possibly living with her boyfriend um, when she moves here in August. and. Um, Danny, I think is going to be doing the same as well. Actually, Danny's here right now, so we've been hanging out and having our bachelor nights together. Um, you know, watching <laughs> the bachelorette together, and yeah, she's she's awesome. I really love um, Danny hanging out with her, and I, I'm just really excited for the team. I um, I really like Steph and Kellen and um, Alfina. I haven't actually properly met her yet, but she seems so sweet over social media and just very supportive already after hardly knowing me. So. Um, you know, it's great. And the guys, obviously, they're all a laugh. And like, um, yeah, I think it's a very tight-knit te uh, team. And, um, you know, I, I hope that that, um, you know, helps us grow as a, a team and makes us all faster athletes, honestly, as well. Yeah. It's kind of almost like you guys are going to be not the Bowerman babes, but like you have that atmosphere happening right now. Like, it's yeah, I mean, we need a group. name. We need a I name. I know. I know. Someone you do. the Hoka Hotties, but I just like, <gasps> <laughs> I don't know whether I can. It sounds like arrogant for me to say that. So I don't want to be the one that starts that. But I did laugh when someone <sighs> sent me that the other day. I thought. Yeah, that works. <laughs> the Hoka Hotties. You guys definitely have to think of a name because we need a hashtag. I know. We do. <laughs> okay, I'll get on it. I'll get thinking. Yes, I want I want a hashtag that I can use. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Well, that is just really exciting. So let's see. I'm trying to see here. Okay. So um, before we get to the end of the podcast questions, mm. what are you envisioning going forward into the fall as sort of, you know, what you're going to be tackling race-wise? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think um, right now I'm waiting to hear on um, the European um, track and field championships in August. Um, I'll hear about that on Monday, whether I've been selected for the 10K. Um, And so if I have been, um, it's been a little hard because I've kind of been training for a race that I don't know if I'm going to be doing. Um, And it's going to be, you know, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be disappointing if I haven't been selected because I have been putting in the work. Um, I did a brutal workout at Buffalo Park this morning and I'll be a little sad if that was all for nothing. Um, So whether I find a road race, if I'm not selected where I can just kind of, you know, use my fitness for something and that's something I'll have to discuss with Howie. But um, I think I'll definitely take a break in August. Uh, My body's due due a break after quite a long uh, season. Um, And then it will be building up for the road races. Um, We've kind of yet to clarify that schedule. Um, And then I'm hoping to do the European um, trial race in England and hopefully get selected for the European um, and hopefully the world cross country after that. So uh, those are definitely the kind of longer term goals, I would say. That is so exciting. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I know. It's exciting goals for sure. It's uh, good to set those targets. Yeah. And I also, I had one more question. You said Mm. that you didn't want to leave altitude. What is it about altitude that you like? Um, I think the main thing for me is that I think when I started to kind of make that turnaround in my running, um, I see a lot of my, um, I don't want to say success because I I feel like it's a little bit arrogant, but you know, my more positive performances have come from my altitude training. Um, and yes, I, I had some good races back in England when I was, when I was younger, but, um, it's just for me to leave altitude now, I, I kind of worry that maybe I am just an altitude responder and this is where I'm most successful. And for my first year as a pro, I don't want to be taking any big risks like leaving altitude. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I, here I am higher than I was in Albuquerque. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I can only go up, I hope. (laughs) So how high are you guys right now? So it's 7,000 feet now, um, which is pretty sad that I feel like I am actually having to adjust to a higher altitude because, you know, what, I've only come up 2,000 feet. But, um, you know, even today doing that workout at Buffalo Park, I could feel um, it's a very different feeling, I think, being tired from lack of oxygen and being tired from uh, when when you're at sea level, um, mm. it's definitely two very different feelings. And I feel like my body knows now um, which one it's kind of dealing with. Um, but uh, it, it is different. And um, I am still kind of getting used to this higher altitude. Um, and it's certainly hillier out here as well. So it's like adding that into the mix too. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the training is definitely going to be tougher. Um, I've been having to take a lot of naps and you know, my life right now is pretty much getting up in the morning, going to training, coming back and eating and sleeping and eating again, and then <laughs> going out for another run or, you know, lifting or doing some other type of training. And then, hey, it's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely living that runner's lifestyle, which, 
you know, I, I love and I'm so grateful for having the opportunity to really push my body to those limits and, and live that life. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that um, I've never heard someone say like an altitude responder, but I wonder yeah. if some people are just more naturally equipped to handle altitude better. I think, I don't know whether it's equipped. I think it's, um, I mean, and yes, that's certainly a thing, but I, I think it's maybe ha- uh, how your body benefits from altitude. Okay. Um, so whether I'm, you know, I can run maybe faster at sea level having trained at altitude than I could training at sea level um, and then running a race at sea level. I, I think I, I haven't really had the opportunity to try um, try that difference. But as I said, I, I just don't want to make that big of a change or take that big of a risk in my first year running, running as a, a professional. Um, I want to try and keep things, uh, you know, just not make any big changes because I saw, I mean, uh, as I discussed what happened to me in my first year in Albuquerque after making that big transition into college, um, I didn't have a successful year and I feel like I can't really afford to be having, um, you know, a year like that here. And, uh, you know, I owe it to my, my sponsors and my support system to, to perform well. Um, they are giving me this great opportunity and I want to do my absolute best, um, not only for them, but also, also myself. Um, so, so yeah, I just didn't want to make a big change by leaving altitude. Yeah, that's probably smart. I do think it's interesting. Um, Mm. I'm at altitude here in South Dakota and it's, not to the same level that you are. I think we're like, we're at like 5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my boyfriend and I went to Colorado um, last summer when I was out here. Nice. And we decided to hike Long's Peak, which is, I guess, like the highest. It's like the Ooh. hardest hike in Colorado. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you we went for thinking. it. <laughs> I know. And we hadn't adjusted to altitude because we didn't yeah. realize that that was a thing. So we like yeah. drove there and that was the first hike we did. And the whole way up the mountain, people were asking us questions like, oh, like, how many days did you take to adjust and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, what are these questions? Yeah. And, you know, we do the hike, we get down. And then like my mother was like, I had texted her that morning and I was like, oh, we're going to hike Long's Peak. And I guess she looked it up and then, you know, I was on the mountain, so I didn't have service, but I got back to my car and my mom was like, no, what are you thinking? Don't hike that mountain. Like, <laughs> it's too high. <laughs> right. But I yeah. was like, you know what? I didn't feel anything. Like it wasn't. That's I, interesting. And, and some people, I guess, get sick. So it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I always worry when my family come out to visit, um, you know, I'll probably worry more if they come to Flagstaff. But in Albuquerque, I was forcing my parents to be drinking Pedialyte and Gatorade. And Mm -hmm. um, I I think, you know, if you've lived, especially you and your boyfriend living at 5,000 feet now, you perhaps know that you've got to stay hydrated and just the little things, you know, with living at altitude that maybe you were more prepared than some of the other people that were perhaps altitude first timers and didn't know right. how critical our like hydration was and how sleep was and uh you know starting off slow and uh seeing how you feel I feel like that's a big thing altitude if you do that first that first like rep too fast you're gonna pay for it later on mm-hmm. um and I mean, yes. that's actually something I dealt with today. Um, and it was kind of like magnified just because I am that bit higher here. You know, I did that first rep too fast thinking, oh, I feel fine. And then <laughs> the next ones I was like, oh, you know, I don't feel too fine. Yeah, it hits you like a ton of bricks. It, that is exactly the analogy to use for sure. <laughs> well, we always say at the organization that I'm at, um, we always tell our volunteers the first thing is like, we're like, 
Well, our biggest thing that we say is hydrate or die. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a joke, but not really. You guys need to drink a lot of water. <laughs> you really, really do. And even that's something that I'm trying to, you know, um, adjust to here in Flagstaff as I do have to drink more than I did in Albuquerque. And it's a constant thing that I had to keep remembering, like drink, drink, drink. Um, mm. And I thought that I drank a lot in Albuquerque. I thought it'd be fine. But um, no, I've definitely felt the uh, issues of dehydration here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point for sure to point that one out. Yeah, definitely. Well, so cool. I think that you're future seems very bright. Oh, thank you. I hope <laughs> um, so. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited for you. Um, I remember the first time I kind of became aware of who you were as an athlete was, um, I think it was, it was back in 2016 when you came in second in the 10 Oh, um, thank and I you. just remember being like, who is this tough little runner? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I do appreciate you saying that. That was very kind. <laughs> um, well, so I have end of the podcast questions that I always ask everybody. Okay. Um, so I guess strap in. I don't, they shouldn't be too hard. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first question is, what is the bravest thing you've ever done? The bravest thing I've ever done. Wow. Okay. That is quite a tricky question for me <laughs> to answer. Um, it can just you know, be something gonna... you think of. Okay, I'll be just like pretty generic about it. It's probably been, you know, as we were talking about in one of those race situations where you just feel horrendous and then you choose to ignore it and go for it. Um, That's going to be one of my moments, I would say, that have been brave. I'm sure there have been like more moments out there, you know, um, but I just, I'm afraid I just can't quite think of them right now. Um, Oh, maybe like, actually, I did do a cliff jump once where I jumped off. (laughs) Um, into the into the sea and I remember just being absolutely terrified and I was very proud of myself for doing it I wouldn't do it again but <laughs> at the time I was very proud that I uh, I made that leap and uh, and made it yeah <laughs> that sounds very brave also I think we mentioned so many things throughout the conversation moving deciding yeah. to go back again after your first year was so bad all yeah. those things are brave yeah. Okay. Thanks. That makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, second question is also a little bit difficult. Uh, what does being a woman mean to you? You know, um, being a woman to me means uh, I grew up in a very female-dominated uh, environment. You know, my poor dad had to put up with all of these females. <laughs> Even our cats were female at the time. So it's just – it was a very female-dominated uh, environment. Um, being a female to me is feeling empowered and confident um, and just, um, you know, supportive of other females as well. Um and yeah, just as it's been a very popular trend, just feeling equal um, in this in this society. So um, yeah, I like that. Uh, your dad sounds like my dad. My dad <laughs> likes to say there are too many hens in this hen house. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I feel sorry for him. I do honestly. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for my dad sometimes. But we do. I do have a brother, but I also have two sisters. So <laughs> yeah, and then my mother, and yeah. So I feel that. Um, okay, great. The next question is kind of goofy, but I ask everybody, if you could pick a plant or a flower, a living thing that best embodies your spirit, who you Mm. are, what would you pick? (laughs) You know, it's funny, um, because I'm reluctant to say a cactus, but actually it's, it's kind of funny because I think, 
um sometimes I can have a bit of a tough surface you know a bit I can be a little prickly and a little cold um I do I don't want to say that because you know I I would like to think of myself as welcoming to people that I don't know but um I think I can come across as a bit of a tough exterior um and you know a, a cactus okay it has like flowers and everything but it also has like the um it's actually got something I don't oh god it sounds so cheesy now wow um, no I, I like it keep it. going <laughs> it's kind of just you know how it has like the the water inside that like um you yeah. know it's like a good thing a positive thing I don't want to sound really cheesy about it but um yeah either a cactus or completely different end of the spectrum um a peony just because I absolutely love peonies. I love the smell of them. I just love a peony and I'd love to say that I'm like a peony just because I love the flower. <laughs> but if from a very, uh, you know, a metaphorical standpoint, probably a cactus, honestly. <laughs> I like that. And the water thing is kind of cool, right? Because it's like an inner reserve of like digging deep. Yeah. And, like, you can sustain yourself, yeah. you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, I like it's that. It's like a great thing that a uh, cactus has inside of it. So I'm hoping that that's what I have. But <laughs> yeah, not cheesy. Not cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> and very interesting because Steph also said a cactus. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. She Gosh. Did. Wow. Yeah. yeah so. Well, maybe we can cute. do something for that for the team. <laughs> yes. I was just thinking that. Like, you guys are the cactus ladies. <laughs> um. Okay, so the next question is kind of similar, um, but if you could pick a Disney princess or a Disney character, oh, a okay. Shiro, if you will, yeah, who would you pick? I mean, my name is Alice, so Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, my sister actually sent me a great poem um, by Alice in Wonderland. I'm just gonna find it now, and I thought that. It was quite, um, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, actually, that um, that was from Alice in Wonderland. Let's see Aww. where this is. I'm just going to find it now. Sorry, bear with me. Yeah, I would love um, to hear it. Yeah, no, but I mean, that that sounds pretty uh, ridiculous. But I will tell you this. I do normally dress up as Alice in Wonderland on Halloween. <laughs> and I was caught out this year for copying my costume from last time. So... <laughs> Yes, uh, pretty funny. Oh, no, I didn't know whether... Uh, let's see where it is. No, I <laughs> think it's... Uh, no, it's gone, I'm afraid. I don't know if we'll oh, be able no. to find it, but... Um, yeah, there was a good, there was a good Alice in Wonderland quote. And if, if I had to choose a character, I want to say Elle Woods from Legally Blondes because I absolutely, she is awesome. So (laughs) I would love to aspire to be like her. (laughs) Totally. And I was going to say, but then I was thinking to myself, this might sound, I don't know, it's not offensive at all. I was, but I was just going to say, I remember, like I said, that first time that I sort of was like, oh, like, I wonder who this girl is. Um, I remember thinking that you, like, it was interesting that your name was Alice because you looked like Alice in Wonderland a little bit. Really? Okay. Uh-huh. And That's then I also funny. remember thinking to myself, this is just perfect that she's this, like, tough, badass 10K runner. And you, I mean, you, like, look like a beautiful, almost like oh, thank you. kind of China doll-ish um, I hope that doesn't sound offensive. No, no, not at all. I mean, that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> it's just kind of cool though, right? That you get to combine these two things. Like you yeah. have this, um, very like feminine Alice in Wonderland look, but then you are like this speedy badass 10K runner. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I, as I said, I grew up in a very female, um, dominated environment. My sister's, you know, she's a, an amazing makeup artist and she's always giving me 
tips and I just I am a girly girl at heart my other sister's <laughs> really into interior and we're all you know we just we love discussing the the latest like girly trash really I hate to put it that way but you know just what's been happening in the shows and mm-hmm. uh, you know new clothes and things like that I don't want to call it girly trash because I love it and I'm proud that I love it um, yeah <laughs> but I found that quote actually so the quote was um, my dear here we must run as fast as we can just to stay in place and if you wish to go anywhere you must run twice as fast as that. And I just really liked that because it kind of relates to the whole running thing as well. Um, With having to like run fast. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I liked that quote. (laughs) That gave me chills. It kind of almost reminds me too of, I think, um, going back to that question of what does being a woman mean to you? Mm. I feel like it's uh, very symbolic of, um, here I am going to sound cheesy myself. It's very symbolic of, yeah, like um, kind of this whole notion of, you know, we can be these opposing things. We can be girly and we can be tough and we can be brave. And, you know, this whole equality thing is a topic of conversation. But when you think about the women who have made equality a conversation, even, I won't even say possible because I don't think it's fully, like, I don't think we're fully there yet. But when you think about that, those women did have to run twice as fast. Yeah, you know? exactly. And twice as, you know, it's just kind of, oh, I love that so much. Thank you for yeah. sharing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so the next question is, um, what are you currently chasing? What am I currently chasing? Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm chasing self-improvement and um, – yeah, my, my goals, which um, I have my short-term goals, which are my immediate kind of goals of things, you know, times I want to achieve in the 10K and getting sub there soon. And then I obviously have that long-term goal, which I think any runner should really have as winning an Olympic gold. And I mean, surely that's any runner's long-term goal is to, to win that um, Olympic goal, uh, golds rather. And uh, yeah, so it, those are my things really that I'm chasing. Yeah. And the Olympic gold dream, I think you're right, is a runner's dream. And why not have that be your dream? I had, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I had Shelby Houlihan on the show, um, and she was talking about how before she qualified for the Olympics, she wrote on her mirror, um, I am an Olympian. And then every time she looked in the mirror, Hi. she saw it, and she said to herself, I'm an Olympian. And she said by the time she got to that race, she believed in herself, you know? Yeah, you see it, stories like that. It's just, you, you really do have to believe in that. You're talking in that? Yes, Ziggy, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> Alice, I have my friend Ziggy, who just came in for dinner. Ah, uh, hello, Ziggy. <laughs> Can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> All right, will you, oh. head, will you head in, buddy? And I'll come see you in a second. This kind of thing. Okay. Which one is fun, nice? Okay. That yeah, oh, that's perfect. Sounds great. Sorry, Alice. <laughs> no, it's okay, Jim Mori. I understand. And hi, Alice. Okay, Ziggy. <laughs> hey, Ziggy. <laughs> All right, you can keep going. Who's I'm sorry. Alice? Who's Alice? She is a really speedy, fast runner, <laughs> and she lives in a place called Arizona right now. Oh, yes. This <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Zig Zig, can you go into the kitchen, and I'll see you in a second? Not yet. All right. Well, I'm trying to get my stuff out. Okay. Well, 
Can, can you be quiet as a mouse so that I can finish my conversation with Alice? Thank you. All right, you can keep going. <laughs> oh, no, I think I, I finished, honestly. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just how it really is a – I think it's a common goal among among the professionals, right? Mm. And we were talking why not have that goal? Yeah. Well, you were talking to that. I am really talking to her. Remember, quiet as a mouse. I can't hear your voice. What? can't hear your voice. I know. Just, you know, a normal night on the at Simply Smiles, oh. recording recording a podcast and, and helping Ziggy put on his sweater before dinner. <laughs> I know I understand, don't worry. <laughs> well, Michael said I could stay up. Okay, sounds good, bud. So. Okay, sounds great. I just have to wrap this up, sweetie, okay? Here, put your hands up. Put your hands up. Awesome. All right. Well, <laughs> you just got a little taste of my job. Um, oh. So. Um, this is mine. Oh, hi, Caleb. This is my sweater. Okay, buddy. And that's mine. Okay. Um, I'm a social worker here, and so. Oh no, uh, I understand. Don't worry. Yeah, I uh, yeah. You've you got a lot on your plate. <laughs> no, they're adorable. Um. Well, Alice. Those uh, that actually was good timing because the, that was my last question. Ah, but okay. I did just want to say it was so lovely speaking with you and hearing your well, backstory. Well, thank you for uh, choosing that, me for your podcast. I really appreciate it, and it's been great yeah. chatting with you as well. Well, yeah, thank you so much, um, and best of luck with your training going thank forward. Thank you very much. Thank you, <laughs> and I hope to speak to you again soon. All right, folks, that is a wrap on this week's episode. I could not have planned for a better way to highlight some of the barriers I faced recording and putting out episodes this summer than with the addition of those sweet little voices you heard at the end. Alice was so gracious about the impromptu guests, and I appreciate her ability to just roll with it. For more information on Alice and her professional running journey, you can follow her on Instagram at alicewright139. For more information on myself, the show, and what I've been up to this summer, you can follow me on Instagram at ChasingBravery06, or you can visit the website at www.ChasingBravery.com. With that, I'm signing off here. Look for links to what was discussed in this episode in the show notes. I hope you all have a great upcoming week and that your last weeks of summer are filled with fun, laughter, and of course, bravery. 